God is truly good. He met our greatest need, the need for salvation. You may have other needs, and we all have different needs, both physical and emotional needs, but our greatest need is the forgiveness of sins. We need for our souls to be resurrected from its dead state and back to life through Jesus Christ. Otherwise, what good is having everything else? Everything else can be lost in an instant. Everything in this life is passing. Hello and welcome to another message from the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. Today we'll be talking about who is our neighbor. Most people believe that their neighbor is everyone that is around them. And from a certain point of view, that is possible. But the Bible teaches us that a neighbor is more than that and that we need to learn how to love our neighbor as ourselves. It is true that we should do good things for each other, but we need to love our neighbor. But who is our neighbor according to the Bible? It is important to define that so that we are doing what is truly necessary. Today's message is inspired on Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. Let us have a word of prayer together. Heavenly Father, Holy God, blessing and honor and glory be to you. Blessed are you, O Lord, for you are worthy to be praised and exalted, O Lord, for your goodness, your mercy, for your grace, O God, for everything that you give us, O Lord. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks because you choose to love us, because you choose to care for us, Lord God, out of your own free will, not because you're obligated, Lord, but because you want to. I give you thanks for your goodness, O God. I pray, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, that you please forgive my sins. Please, O Lord, have mercy on us, O God. Help us to understand through your word who is our true neighbor. And help us, O Lord, to learn how to love that neighbor as ourselves. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We'll be reading today from Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. This is the word of the Lord. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this, and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. 
Most of us misunderstand and think that everyone is our neighbor, but that is not the true definition if we use the Bible text. I have to say that I misunderstood this myself for many years. Who is our neighbor? Our neighbor is a person who helps us without any kind of obligation. It's the person that helps another out of their own free will. Let's look at this a little deeper. What kind of obligation did the Samaritan have with the victim? None. There was no prior relationship. As a matter of fact, we see in the story that Jesus mentions a Samaritan, which was a person that did not have a good relationship with the Jews. Actually, quite the contrary. At that time, the Jews saw the Samaritans as people that were very different to them, as sinful. They were enemies. The quick historical background regarding the Jews and the Samaritans is that although the Samaritans were from Israel, the Jews claimed that the Samaritans had intermarried with pagan people and that they had committed sacrilege by not considering Jerusalem the place to worship God. And so there was nothing that united the victim to the Samaritan. The Samaritan had all kinds of reasons for not being obligated to help this stranger. Nonetheless, this Samaritan, this person that was considered by the Jews to be far away from God, took pity on the victim and helped him. If the Samaritan would have not helped the stranger, the stranger would have probably died. So this is the true definition of a neighbor, a person that could even be in enmity with another, but yet willfully puts their differences aside and helps another without any kind of obligation. Do you know of anyone that has helped you without any kind of obligation? Have you ever had a neighbor in your life, someone that helped you in a time of need without any kind of obligation? Someone that owed you nothing, yet helped you in some kind of meaningful way in a moment of your life where you were in dire need? I think we all have a person or people we can point to that we have met during the course of our lives that has helped us without any kind of real obligation. We have to think also that help comes in different ways. It's not always about someone giving you money when you needed it or something like that or it's not about superficial favors. What we read about the Samaritan is that he interrupted his journey, took care of the person, took him out of any other potential harm, and even spent his own money to have this person cared for. He went clearly above and beyond. Do you know of someone like that? Someone that did something like that for you? I could tell you that I had a neighbor show up in my life many years ago. A woman, a person I did not know, came to me when I was a small boy, when I was going through the most difficult point in my life. I had nothing at that time. And the little I had left was disintegrating. My family was falling apart. We had very little money, barely enough to get by. And my health was in very bad state. I had been diagnosed with a very rare form of anemia, which the doctors concluded that would turn into leukemia, cancer of the blood. For them, it was only a matter of time and there was nothing they could do to stop it. One Sunday afternoon, my mother took me to a place where people gathered to worship God and study the word. It was not a formal church. I remember in that afternoon that this woman came to me and asked me to sit on the grass with her. I didn't know who she was. And she started talking to me about how God loved me and about how God gave his only begotten son, Jesus, to die on the cross so that I could be saved. She told me that no matter where I would be, that if I repented from my sins and asked Jesus to come into my heart, that I would never be alone. It was the most beautiful thing I had ever heard in my life. 
It was the hope I needed. I knew that God existed and that Jesus died for me, but I didn't know that the Lord could be in my heart and that I would never be alone ever again. This woman didn't give me money. She didn't give me pills or any kind of advice to take care of my physical problems. She gave me something far greater than that. She allowed herself to speak on God's behalf to me so that I could be saved. My life changed completely at that moment. And yes, everything else changed in my life as a result of that moment that I gave my life over to the Lord. She was my neighbor. Maybe there are some of you out there that think that you don't have a neighbor, someone that has gone out of the way just because to help you. But we all have a neighbor and that neighbor is God. He is our best neighbor. God gives us so much and on a daily basis and out of the goodness of his heart. This is something that we need to always remember. God does not owe us anything. He does not owe you and me a single thing. Everything he does for us is out of grace. If you see the light of a new day, it's because he allows it. If you have the abilities you have, it is because he allows for you to have them. If your heart is beating and your lungs are breathing air at this very moment, it's because God allows it. Everything that happens is because God allows it. Everything that exists can only subsist through the person of God, through Jesus Christ. For it is written, For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. Why do I emphasize this so much? Because it appears that almost everyone feels that God owes them something or everything. He is taken for granted or worse. He is taken as evil because he doesn't give you what you want, when you want things and how you want things. He is treated worse than a servant. God is not treated the way he deserves to be treated, especially by those that say that believe in him. Most people act like very spoiled children that they want to do whatever they want to do, and that God is there to support all of their evil decisions. And if he doesn't support them, then he simply needs to be done away with as if it were possible. Despite all of that, God saw us in our true state, in our fallen state, in our sin, robbed, destitute, and lost. That's our reality without God. That's where we are when we don't have forgiveness of sins, when we don't surrender our lives over to him. And this is something that people must understand, a certain truth that we are not born children of God. We are his creation, but a fallen one. When we commit sin willfully, we are dead in our trespasses and form part of something else that doesn't belong to God. We are God's enemy when we are dead in our sin and rebellion. That is the truth that Satan tries to hide from everyone. In John chapter 10, it tells us this, the thief, Satan, does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I, Jesus Christ, have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. God saw us hopeless, dead in our sins, yet he decided to be the good shepherd. Without any kind of obligation, he gave his life for us so that we could have the opportunity to be saved. The devil may have tempted and lied to us, but we chose to sin against God, against others, and including ourselves through our own free will. But despite that, God chose to love us. 
Here is where his goodness can be seen visibly. In John chapter 3, verse 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. In Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. God is truly good. He met our greatest need, the need for salvation. You may have other needs, and we all have different needs, both physical and emotional needs, but our greatest need is the forgiveness of sins. We need for our souls to be resurrected from its dead state and back to life through Jesus Christ. Otherwise, what good is having everything else? Everything else can be lost in an instant. Everything in this life is passing. And for what profit is to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? God loves you and me, and he does not want us destroyed or lost. For it is also written in 1 John chapter 4, In this the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. There is no greater love than this. And again, he did it all without any kind of obligation. We were his enemies, yet he chose to love us, to truly be good beyond measure. When Jesus was asked about how to have eternal life, he answered in the following manner. The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second like it is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And who is our most excellent neighbor? God. That's why the second commandment is like the first, because the Holy Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit work jointly so that we could be saved forever from all of our sins, our transgressions, our rebellions, and our trespasses, from all of it. When we learn to love God with everything we are, then we are starting to be fair with our neighbor. We are starting to love our neighbor as ourselves. If you value yourself, then you will learn to start valuing God by loving Him. When you despise and reject God, you are only hurting yourself and you are doing away with the only one that can save you, with the only one that can give you eternal life. Loving the Lord Jesus Christ is the only way to immortality. We could learn to be grateful to people that have helped us along the way disinterestedly, and we should do that. It's very important not to be ungrateful people, but the greatest ingratitude we need to do away with is with God. If we are honest, we have all been very ungrateful with Him. Many jump at the opportunity to not only be ungrateful with the Lord, but to even judge Him and to see Him as evil or with evil intentions. We see God's instruction for eternal life as a thing that only prevents us from doing what we want to do, except for what it truly is, His counsel that is only for our own good. God has nothing but good intentions towards all mankind. Otherwise, why would He have gone through such great lengths to give us such great salvation? Why would He have paid for our sins on the cross this is something that we all need to understand and work to get as clear as possible in our hearts and in our minds. 
that such a great being as God, the almighty God of the universe, thought about our eternal well-being. King David said this, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? Just think about all the things the Lord has made and all of the things his person is involved with. And yet, he not only took the time to think about us, but he gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross for the innocent to take the place of the guilty. And again, without any kind of obligation so that we could be saved. He died to give us hope, the opportunity to have eternal life. And yet many people don't consider what he has done. They consider this wonderful salvation as something that just happened. And that on top of that, that God owes them even more. That God is there to serve them, to be at their beck and call. And shame on God for not letting me do whatever I want. And to be blessed for the evil I choose to do. That's the mentality nowadays. That's why many people try to do away with God, with His Word, because they want for God to say that evil is okay, that their sin, the very thing that destroys man and everything around man, is fine and should be even applauded. They want for God to bless their sinful pride. But how can a holy God bless and sanction something that causes death, things that only bring about destruction sooner or later? How can God condone the very thing, sin, that destroys all of the wonderful things He has created with so much love? It's just not possible. And it's not fair to accuse a God that has done so much for us and that only wants to save us from eternal perdition. We need to learn to be fair with God and to look to appreciate all the things He has done for us, starting again with the forgiveness of sins. But the only way that happens is when a person repents and converts from all of their sins. Forgiveness can only happen when you turn away from the sins that destroy you. 1 John chapter 1 verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is where eternal life can start for you. When you look to the Lord, and let go of your sins, the very things that keep you from having immortality. Turn to the Lord for forgiveness and accept Jesus Christ today as the Lord of your life. That's the way you can start to be grateful to Him and at the same time, do for yourself the greatest good a person can ever do for themselves. Learning to love the Lord is the fairest and best thing we could ever do. Let us pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, Blessed are you, O Lord God. Thank you, O Lord, because you truly are good. Because Heavenly Father, you saw us in our fallen state. You saw us, O Lord, in all of the wrong and sin that we have. And Lord God, you took pity. You had mercy on all of mankind. And Lord God, you loved us so much that you sacrificed the greatest thing you ever have. You gave up the greatest love that you have, Jesus Christ, so that he could die on the cross so that we could be saved. Heavenly Father, it is so hard to understand why such a great being like yourself would go through such extreme measure to save 
people like us. Heavenly Father, I can only say thank you. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, Heavenly Father, that you may please always remember us in your mercy and in your grace. Heavenly Father, we are nothing without you. We give you thanks and we praise you. Help us, O Lord, to value everything that you do, starting with Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Please join us again next time as we look into God's Word together. And if you have any questions or just need some prayer, please email us through our website. If you want to listen to other messages, you can go to our website or look for our podcast in the Apple iTunes store under The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.